Hello and welcome to Rise Up with Orion, our Orion podcast where we visit various experts around the country to share their expertise and knowledge to help us reach our optimal well-being. So today's topic is a great one as I truly feel that the holidays have snuck up on me this year with all the craziness. I think my priorities are shifted. I'm focusing on different things. And so we are focusing today on how we can avoid the post-holiday debt bloat. Um, we have an amazing presenter who is back by popular demand. Um, I am here welcoming Beth Hunsaker-Garn. Beth graduated in the field of family finances at, the universe, at Utah State University and continued her studies at the University of Utah where she, she researched consumer behaviors and consumer protection. Upon graduating with her master's, she taught at the University of Utah in family economics, consumer policy, and financial skills. So as you can tell, with that educational background, she is truly an expert um, to really help us with these key financial habits um, to help our households during the current day and age and through the holidays to manage our budget and improve our financial success in the future. So Beth, thank you so much. Thanks for joining the podcast today. And I will hand it over to you. Thanks, Tara. I'm so happy to be here to talk about these important things with you. One thing when I've been thinking about this was to me the importance of the using the word bloat because that is an unpleasant word. You think about a, a meal that you've enjoyed but you kept eating and then ended up with that bloated icky feeling afterwards that happens if we don't keep our holiday debt in control where at the end of the year and the beginning of the next year we look at our finances and we realize that we spent more than we had planned and we're stuck with that debt that might take us months and years even to pay off so we definitely want to avoid that I think about bloating too, so uncomfortable. And as you said, it takes months or weeks to feel better when we're bloated, even if we're talking about the weight loss journey. So there's no question it correlates to this as well. Absolutely. One of the things that I think we need to do is be very purposeful and mindful with our holiday spending. And so one of the things I like to do is to think about what it is about the holidays. What are my goals that I'm trying to get out of the holidays? So some of the things you might think about when you think about your holiday goals is you just want to enjoy the holiday season. You like all of the things about it and you want to feel like you're enjoying all of that. Another thing is keeping traditions alive. Traditions are very important in families. And so having the same traditions, maybe even recreating some of the traditions that you had in your own childhood can be really important. We also love to see the magic of the holidays for our kids and our grandkids. So that might be a goal that we have. Also, it's the time of giving, where we're giving back, we're being grateful for those things we have, we're showing the people we care um, through, the, through the giving of gifts. And then maybe we just want to spread that holiday cheer. We just want people to feel good um, and help everybody have a good holiday season. But we do know that if we really turn the focus and our goals of the holiday season onto the material part into 
getting and giving gifts, actually it decreases our happiness. So we want to be careful and make sure that that's not where we're, um, that's not what we're doing over that holiday season. Beth, do you think there's a way that we can create some of this magic for our kids or grandkids that involve no money at all? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Just finding little ways. Maybe you watch the same Christmas movie every single year. We always watch Elf when we put up our Christmas tree, and it has become such a fun tradition that I know I would be in trouble if I ever tried to skip that. No question. That's a great movie. Well, how do we get started then? So if we're just, you know, we're no matter what during the holidays, there's some sort of spending that has to, that takes over. Um, Absolutely. We have to have some sort of magic with that. So tell us yes. how to get started. So we do have to think about our budget. Sometimes people think budget is a dirty word. It is not. It's an important one. It's a plan. And what we have to do is look at what we need to spend our money on that season. So you might think, oh, it's gifts. You know, I need to make sure I have enough money for gifts. But you also want to make sure you include everyone um, when you think about that because you have your family gifts. But what about your neighbor gifts? Is that something you do? What about your coworkers? Is that a tradition in your workplace? But beyond just the gifts, we might have a lot of other areas. What about wrapping paper? That can add up quickly. What about food? Do you host meals? Do you have special um, tradition meals that you have? Maybe you have a big Christmas brunch every year. What it, what, um, what's that going to cost for you to do that? What about Christmas cards? Do you like to send those out every year? What's that going to cost? Um, giving to your favorite charities. Tips that you give your dog walker or your babysitter at the end of the year. What about travel? Now, I know this year might look a little different, and maybe we think we don't travel very far, but you will have added gas that you might need to pay for, that you need to include. And then there's decorations, there's that holiday decor, and any other holiday activities that you have. Maybe you go skiing together, go ice skating all together. So you have to include everything in that budget. And definitely this year, um, with the holiday activities, there's so much more planning that goes into that. Um, you know, whether it, that be our budget or just the time or when we're going or how many people is going to be there. So I think it is all goes into kind of the pain of the holidays, which, you know, sometimes pain is gain, right? Yeah, there you go. Um, when you look at all of the areas that you need to spend your money, I want you to prioritize that. I want you to think about the things that are most important to you because that's where you're going to be spending money. So one of the ways you can do that is think about it for yourself, but ask your family members some of their favorite traditions, what they love about the holidays. You might be surprised at some of the things that come out. When I asked my daughter, she remembered last year when spur of the moment, we stopped by a gas station and got hot chocolate. And then we stayed in the car and we drove through the light display at a local park in our city. And she remembered that from last year. It didn't cost very much, just the hot chocolate. But what a sweet memory she had. And then it has turned into a tradition just by asking her that one question. So I love um, 
seeing it through other people's eyes and seeing what's important to them. One thing that can actually become a great tradition is taking that walk down memory lane and pulling up pictures from Christmas holiday seasons past and to remind yourself of those things that you used to do. And I think for me, a lot of the walking down memory lane triggers something for me to try it with my own family. You know, we used to do crafts in front of the fireplace, you know, did not cost us anything, just getting old craft projects and just doing it. But again, a great family memory that, you know, really worked. Um, Beth, do you think it's important to ask your family each year what is important to them? Do you see that change with your experience or your family each year? Yeah, you know, things that were important when they were younger, they may not be as important now. And so really finding those things and just staying on top of those things with your family can give you some really good ideas on how to prioritize your holidays. Do you think the same goes for your budget as well? Is the budget's never the same? To, so to reevaluate that? No, it year? won't. Yeah. Yeah, you'll want to reevaluate your budget every year and just see what worked and what didn't. Maybe you put too much into one area and uh, there was another area that ended up being more important. So you definitely want to think about that and every year create a new one. You can use past years as a template, but as you change those priorities, uh, that's going to change what your budget looks like. To create that budget, it's so important that we really calculate how much those things cost. And you have to be realistic. So don't say that you're going to host this dinner for $50 because you know that's not going to happen. You, won't, you need to be realistic. If you don't make a realistic plan, your budget's going to fall apart and it won't serve you. Just remember that things are always going to cost a little bit more than you planned. It's going to take more time than you thought. And give yourself some padding um, to, for anything that is going to come up that you didn't plan for. Some people recommend about 10% of the budget, and I think that can be a really good buffer to have in case you do go over in one category. Yeah, slush fund is what my family always calls it. <laughs> slush fund. Yes, I like that. So once you have those priorities, you have to set that budget and you have to set that limit. And you need to think about um, where the money is coming from. How are you going to pay for this holiday season? It's usually more than you just have in that monthly slush fund. So you're going to have to really make a plan for it. Some people might have a savings fund that they continually put into that they can draw from. So maybe that's where your holiday budget will come from. Sometimes people plan on just using their income, what the um, parts of their next paychecks that they have coming in. And sometimes people are going to go into debt for it. So they might put it on a credit card that they don't have a plan to pay it off immediately. Obviously, we want to avoid that because you don't want to carry that over and, and take a long time and pay a lot of interest to get that paid off. Um, once you have that figured out, there's a lot of different budgeting tools you can find one that works for you. I like to think of two um, being zero-based budgeting and then percentages. But if you find one that works for you, the, the budget that works is the one that works for you. So make sure you find one that you're able to stick to. 
with the zero-based budget, you rank your priorities, most important down to least important. And then as you spend that overall budget you have, once you hit zero, that zero base, you're done. And anything below that is going to have to fall off the bottom of your budget and you're not going to be able to reach it. One thing you can do with the zero-based budgeting is see if you can find places to save a little bit of money on one of those higher priorities so that the money is going to last longer and you're going to be able to get more priorities. I think one of those zero-based budget things that I always figure out that I can end up saving a little bit more on is I'm a sucker for stocking stuffers, but the reality is, is, you know, it's a candy bar or it's a little trinket or it's something that really isn't adding great joy or magic to my kids, but I'm doing it because I have to put something in the stockings. Uh So again, that's definitely one for me that I feel like, wow, I can slash that budget a little bit. And oh, absolutely. Put one thing in, or maybe, you know, some quarters that are around or something, something oh. that maybe has a little bit more value, but doesn't cost me anything. Yeah, that's great. Um, another way you could do it is by doing percentages. So you look at um, all of the different categories and then you assign your budget percentage. Maybe you don't feel comfortable um, losing one of your priorities, but as your overall dollar amount grows and shrinks, that's going to change how much you spend in each of the categories. So look around at some different budgeting tools and budgeting strategies. You know, some people have apps that track things for them. I use the notes section on my phone, which keeps me on track. Some people have a little notebook that they write down. It really doesn't matter so long as it works for you. So Beth, tell me what is behind the Christmas in July? How does that help us or hurt us when we're talking about, you know, budgeting and planning for the holidays? Yeah, so when we have those big sales in July, in the summer, we might think that that can be a great strategy, and sometimes it may be. If you have a very specific item that you know for a fact that someone is going to want for their holiday in six months, but really what usually ends up happening is we spend that money in July and we put that item up away in a closet and as the holiday season rolls around after Halloween or after Thanksgiving, we might forget or think we can just buy more and more. And so a lot of times that does push us into overspending. So I would be very careful starting too soon with your holiday shopping. That's a great suggestion. I know I always get trapped with that, saying I'm going to be so prepared this year, and then, you know, it just ends up going overboard because I have all the more time to keep going and to buy those last-minute things that I see, um, which I guess go into the impulse buys. Yes, and you also want to be careful, though, that you don't wait too long. You've got to kind of find that sweet spot of the holiday spending uh, to making sure you're not doing it too early. But if you wait too long, you might overpay for something uh, because you just feel that rush. And so you're not finding um, a good deal that way. But we do really need to be careful with impulse buys. You know, we need this not just for holiday spending, but 
all the spending. So one of the things I research is consumer behavior. And we really like to understand why consumers make the decisions that they make. And we have to recognize that a lot of our decisions with finances have emotion tied to them. As much as we'd like to think we are logical, analytical creatures, emotion does have an impact on our spending. And impulse buys is a big one. It is estimated that 40 to 80% of your discretionary spending, that spending outside of your regular bills, comes down to impulse buys. That's a lot of money. And there's things we can do to help minimize that. And the biggest one is planning ahead. Having a list, planning ahead, don't make um, unplanned trips to the store, don't go window shopping, don't treat shopping as recreation because we have those impulse buys. We have to be careful because sometimes it's in the store but it's easy to impulse buy on your phone. Have you ever had a time when you're in bed on social media scrolling on your phone and you see a sale for something you didn't even know you needed, then you've convinced yourself you need it, um, and you go to buy it. One thing you can do is to increase the friction of the purchase. And what I mean by that is anytime you can slow down the process of buying something, you're, you might be able to um, talk yourself out of it. So one of the things that our phones do for us is they do an autofill where they save your payment information. And so if you go to do online shopping on your phone, it will immediately fill in everything, your name, address, and credit card number. But if we take that off of our phone, it's actually good because of identity theft if someone's able to get into your phone. But also, it might stop us from impulse buying. Because maybe I'm laying there and I see something and I go to buy it and I'm like, oh, I don't want to have to get up and go get my purse in the other room. Eh, it's not worth it. I'm not going to buy it. And I just saved myself quite a bit of money by avoiding that impulse buy. Oh my gosh. And I ran into this little trap as well. Um, just this last week and when I was doing my weekly shopping at the grocery store and they had what I thought was the cutest turkey shaped butter. And I had to buy it because my son was like, mom, that is so perfect. He's seven for Thanksgiving. We need turkey shaped butter. Talk about an impulse. <laughs> and then I had yes. his cute face looking at me, think that it was just, you know, the greatest thing, thing since sliced bread. And there it yep. was. The turkey-shaped butter was in my basket. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes leaving people home, spouses, partners, children, can also <laughs> decrease our impulse bias because we don't have somebody else trying to influence us. So, yes. <laughs> Um, another thing that I want you to think about with spending is making sure we're making choices for the right reasons. And what I mean by that is thinking about the social pressure that we all feel. We consume so much media, um, TV, movies, social media, and we might get an idea of how things are supposed to look that if my holiday doesn't match what I am seeing, that I'm lacking somehow. And I have been guilty of this, where I would see the pictures of families in these cute matching pajamas for the holiday season. 
and I would buy matching pajamas for my family. Well, my boys do not like pajamas. They just wear bottoms. And so to them, it was really annoying to wear these pajamas. So they would never wear them and they would outgrow them. And then I just realized they don't want them. Why am I spending money on this item that they don't even want? It doesn't add anything to us. And I was able to let that go, that social pressure, realize it really doesn't matter to my family if we have matching pajamas or not. Now, if that is important to your family, if it's part of the tradition and part of what you love, that's totally fine. Um, but just make sure that you're doing that for those right reasons, that it's enhancing your holiday. And I think, Beth, one example that I kind of fell into, which I had to put myself in check this year more than ever, was, you know, the Santa Claus pictures, you know, going to a mall, which may, may or may not be safe right now, or just going locally to sit on Santa's lap and spending who knows how much money to have those photos taken when the reality is, is some of the very best photos that I could probably take would be just at home being natural and being me. But because Santa Claus is not in the picture, it doesn't look the traditional way. So I had to put myself in check with that going, no, it isn't yeah. what is important right now. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we also feel social pressure with um, the reciprocity of giving gifts. We feel like if somebody gives us something that we need to give back um, something of equal value and it puts that pressure on us where maybe we don't need to. We can just graciously accept something um, and say thank you. Another thing that we might have is that dreaded FOMO, that fear of missing out, that if I don't do something, my life won't be complete. And my example of that is I just could not do Elf on the Shelf when that tradition came out. My kids were a lot younger and I just couldn't do it. And I would have moments where I felt like I was a terrible parent, that I wasn't giving them this tradition, when really it didn't matter and it wasn't going to enhance our holiday. And so I am glad that I let that one go. Well, and Beth, those little elves this year have to go into a 14-day quarantine, you know. So you're not yes, missing out on do. anything. So I'm just saying. Yes, <laughs> Don't <they> worry. Do. <laughs> Good. Yes, this year I'm safe for sure. Um, another thing that I think we should do, not just the holiday season, but all of the time, is just being judicious in the media we consume, in the social media especially. Um, marketers use social media influencers for their ads now. And so you might think that you are seeing a picture into somebody's life when really it's an ad for what they are selling. So you really need to be careful that you are following and subscribing to people who enhance your life that you feel good about yourself you're not feeling like I have to buy all of these things that they are plugging so if you need to you can mute you can unfollow you can unsubscribe that will help keep that some of that social pressure away we also want to early on manage expectations with those around us so maybe talk to your kids about how many gifts are going to be under the tree so they know that it may not be an over-the-top holiday so if we have those realistic expectations that can be beneficial i had this talk with my siblings and my parents where we just said you know what we 
we've done gifts all these years, but we just don't want more stuff. We don't want to give gifts. We'd rather just have a get together and we'll have a zoom get together. I'm sure this year, um, but let's not do these gifts anymore. And everyone was relieved because it took that pressure off of just finding more items when really what was important is that we're together and that we're enjoying each other. It's not the gift that made it special. This year, more than ever, I agree with you with that. And, you know, even Zoom is recognizing that. I know Zoom typically has a 40-minute limit with their, you know, free meetings. However, the week of Thanksgiving, they're getting rid of that, which I think is so smart. You know, so we can be together and we're we're not Mm -hmm. limited to a 40-minute family gathering. Yes, absolutely. Another trick I want people to use is by taking money from an abstract concept into something that is more real. So researchers have found that when you spend cash or even your debit card and you see the money come out of your account, you feel a pain a small pain that you don't feel when you use a credit card because it's not as real. So I want you to add pain into your spending. And I know that sounds strange, but it's really going to um, make you take the time to decide if spending that is really going to be worth it. So one of the things you can do is even if you put something on a credit card, you can track your spending. So like I said, I use the notes application on my phone. So um, when I have my, my budget, my holiday budget categories, so if I buy a new wreath and I have you know $30 for my decor and I subtract the $20 I just spent on that wreath, that connects and makes it more real. Another thing you could do is before you even spend that money, pre-track it. So look at that category and say, is it really worth it to spend $75 on this person's gift category when I'm only going to have $50 left? Is it worth it? Maybe I should find something else. Another thing that I recommend is putting the holiday budget in a separate account at your bank. So Banks and credit unions will let you set up multiple savings accounts that are all connected. You can put that money into an account so you can see it. And as you spend, transfer it back into your main account that you pay your bills from and you can see it shrinking and that might help you spend less. I do recommend using debit cards, especially if you find that you overspend with credit cards, but sometimes you might use prepaid cards as a way to stop yourself from overspending because once they hit zero, they are done. So maybe put your budget on that. Um, Using cash is typically recommended as a way because, again, you can't overspend, but this year it's quite difficult to do so. Um, Some places aren't even accepting cash right now, and you might do most of your shopping online. But one thing you could do, it's going to take a little more work, but if it keeps you on track, it could be worth it, um, is to withdraw the cash that you would spend on your holiday budget So you see the cash, and as you spend, even if it's on a card, you can then um, deposit it back in, and once the cash is gone, you know that you've spent your whole budget. I 
that's so great. Can I tell you a little trick that I've done the last couple of years, which Ooh, yes. is very similar to all of these. So I have a dependent care account, just a flex account that I contribute to every month. Um, however, I've been a little strategic the last couple of years about when I submit my reimbursement for that. And I have been doing it so close to the holidays. So when I get that reimbursement for my dependent care that I contribute to, I have all this extra cash, you know, that is just one of those that, you know, I'm contributing to it, but now I just strategically now have this money that I'm like, Hey, perfect timing. So just a what little trick a that I great have. idea. That is a really good idea. I like that. One of the things we have to be aware of is we're going to run out of our patience and our time and we might experience decision fatigue where it's just been so hard trying to manage all of the holiday expectations and stay on top of things. And we might then make unsound financial decisions. Maybe we just start saying, oh yes, I'm going to just say yes to everything so I don't have to think about it anymore. We definitely want to avoid that by planning ahead, making sure that we're not waiting till the last minute because sometimes we might add in extra costs, just time that ends up pushing our holiday budget too far. So if you wait too long and you have to pay the sh faster shipping or maybe we pay for gift wrap just so we don't have to handle it and that costs a lot more. Or maybe we're just so run down that we end up overspending in our regular monthly um, budget and we go out to eat way more often than we normally do because you're burned out on the holidays. We definitely want to avoid all of that. So Beth, you just talked about how we're now bloated and exhausted. Oh, absolutely. And that is not how we want to feel. That is not our holiday goal. I think that's been 2020. So let's try to avoid all of those things yes. now. Let's avoid that. Now, one of the things I have that I like to talk about, I feel like they're hacks in regards to retailers. I like to give some insight into tricks that retailers use to try and get you to spend more money. That way, you'll recognize that it is a trick and you're not going to fall for it. So, one of the things they do is they make you think that the item is very scarce. They, they create a scarcity around it. So, they pressure you to buy right now. Like, you're going to lose out. It's going to sell out or this sale is not going to last very long. And so, you're not given the time to really think it through. So, we're not going to fall for that anymore. Another thing we want to be careful of is the halo effect or branding. So some companies work on having a certain image and people like seeing that logo and they know that if they buy from this company that it's going to have this certain um, quality to it. And the company takes advantage of that by putting out more and more products with their logo on it. And maybe because you're brand loyal, you're going to buy that even though you didn't really need it. Another thing they do is what's called anchoring, where they create a price point so you feel like you're getting a really good deal. And you'll see this on ads now where they'll say, this is a $50 item and you're going to get it for 25% off. And, you, and what happens is, is you get stuck on that 50. You hear that 50 and that's how much you think it's worth. And so then you think you're getting this incredible deal when really 
first of all, you may not even need that item, but you just think you're, you need it because it's on sale. But it might not even be worth the full 50. Maybe it's only worth 40, but because they anchored you on that price point, you think you're getting a better deal. Oh my gosh, you hear another this trick Black is, Friday every single year is, oh my the gosh, time, right? guess what I got on Black Friday and listen to this price and you just, you know, you know and, exactly that's the trap yeah. that you just mentioned. And then you're focused on like I, I, the, how much off it was, like the percentage or how much you saved when really you may not have even had that, that great of a deal. Um, another thing they do is called decoy effect where they want you to buy a higher priced item and so they put some lower quality looking ones close to it and you're like, well, I don't want to buy these cheap ones that look like they're just going to break and it pushes you to buy the more expensive one. And then another Black Friday trick is the loss leader where they have items that they actually lose money on but it's a trick to get you into the store so a couple years ago at black friday there was this really great sale on tvs that was going to be at a big retailer and they found out that each store only got one or two tvs at that price so hundreds of people showed up trying to get only one or two items and they ended up spending who knows how much in the store um, because of that loss leader just didn't work out for everybody. And then we always be careful with store credit cards. They tend to have more fees and higher interest and push you to overspend. So I very rarely recommend a store credit card. Um, they're just, they just don't make sense for most people. So Beth, with these retailer tricks that you mentioned, what is your advice on how to avoid getting caught in these traps? Is it awareness or what's your suggestion? So absolutely awareness. Once you know what they are, you'll see them more and more. But then just make a plan for what you want. So if your child wants building blocks and you see a sale for building blocks, look and see, is this really a good deal or are they using anchor price points to make me think that this building block is worth a lot more and then it's on a better sale. So a lot of it is awareness and then doing your own research and planning. Yeah. And I guess if you're not strapped for time to shop around and see if it really is a great deal and maybe don't yes. get caught in that hubbub of Black Friday unless that's your thing. Yes, absolutely. One of the things I just want you to, I want everybody to think about is that we get to make the holidays look how we want. And there are so many things that we can do to make people feel loved, to make them feel special beyond just spending a lot of money. Um, if you have someone in your life who loves Rice Krispie treats and they love it, it's one of their favorite treats, if you make them a pan of Rice Krispie treats, that will mean so much to them because you took the time to make something you know that they love, made it for them. They'll feel very special. And I always look for experience gifts. Sometimes they cost money and sometimes they don't. So anytime you can just create a fun experience, um, even if it's something silly, like giving your kids a coupon that they don't have to eat their vegetable with dinner one night. I give my kids a get out of piano practice card and they get so excited when they get to use it. Something like that can really be meaningful 
but it didn't cost anything, but it still creates that fun experience. Sometimes in the past, um, our neighbors, our neighborhood has done a hot chocolate party instead of neighbor gifts. We come, we socialize, because that's the whole point of giving the gifts is we want to know our neighbors and we want to feel connected. We're not going to be able to do that this year, I'm, I'm pretty sure, but thinking about those kind of experiences. Another thing you can do to help um, is try and find money that maybe you didn't realize you had. I liked your idea, Tara, of your dependent money coming back to you, that reimbursement. So that's a really good idea. But sometimes just shopping around like your insurance. If you haven't shopped your insurance for a while, it might be worth it because you might be able to save some money that you can put into your holiday budget or, you know, checking your phone plan and making sure you're on the best one. Because if you can find that those bits of money can really add up. And what we really want to do, and the whole purpose of this, is that at the end of the year, in the beginning of next year, we're not going to be bloated with debt. We're going to be feeling really good. And then we're going to plan ahead for the future. So that next holiday season, in a year, we will have already planned ahead and we have the money, we have the budget to create those holiday traditions we want. So what I suggest doing is you look at how much you plan on spending in the holidays and divide it by 12. So every month, you're going to transfer that money into your holiday account. And there's two things I think you should do with that. The first one is make it automatic. So you do not make that decision every single month. And then the second thing is put it in an account that's not connected to your main bank. So you can use an online bank account. Um, you can search those, but there's like ING Bank and American Express has a savings feature that's separate from your account, but it automatically goes in. And then when you're ready, you can transfer it back in. Well, so that way we'll be ready for the holidays next year. Oh my gosh. And we won't be bloated or exhausted. I love it. So many great tips. And I scrolled down a whole bunch today um, that I'm hoping that I can implement even now, even though it's, you know, November, there's still time. And so everyone remember, it's never too late. Um, Beth, thank you so much again for your time and joining our podcast today. Your expertise is gold for all of us in terms of our financial well-being. Um, I do also want to invite everyone to come back to Rise Up with Orion in December, where we will actually be guiding you through a progressive muscle relaxation. So we'll let you know what that is and why it's important. We'll actually be doing it together. So hopefully you can tune back in with us then. Give it a try and hopefully get a little bit of that stress reduction that we're going to need come mid-December. So again, thank you so much for joining the podcast. We will close up for now and we'll talk to you next month.